Disclaimer, we are not doctors or scientists. We are simply defenders of the imagination. This is not a safe place to affirm your beliefs and opinions. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, Ron here. Uh, it's been a while since this is kind of, I guess, like a little intro for the episode, you know, I guess. Uh, um, but uh, just, you know, thanks for listening to the show again. And uh, if you're a first time listener, welcome. Uh, but yeah, if you could, uh, please give, give, <laughs> please give us a five-star review, um, or something like that. Like, a, like on the Spotify thing, you can just click a little five-star, uh, it helps the show grow and, um, we'll read all the comments, uh, any comments we get, we'll read them on the show for sure. Once we get enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're on saying, I think we just want to hear back, you know, get some reviews, see what you guys think. Uh, you know, we're kind of premiering a new kind of segment this week just to kind of switch things up. So let us know what you think and let us know if there's anything else you'd like to hear. And like we said, any kind of five-star review or any review at all would really be great just to let us know what you think. We appreciate it. All right. And enjoy the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Imaginarium of Thought. And we're kind of doing something a little new here today. We've got a new segment. This is the first one. We're about to jump into it. It's called Tales of Giants. So the other day, me and Ron were just kind of talking, you know, trying to think of new things to create for the podcast. And I kind of mentioned to him how I wanted to start doing maybe like a good news story, you know, every once in a while. And kind of collaborated. And Ron came up with this great idea of stories that are going to be about well, uh, Tales of Giants will kind of explain it as we tell the story. Ron, you got any kind of thing you want to add about the what the episode is going to kind of be like? Yeah, just um, highlighting the good things about humanity and the, and the people who in humanity who should be praised that uh, we don't really see in the public as much because the mainstream media and most people focus on like negativity and like the, all the shitty people like, oh, I hate humans and all this kind of stuff. Well, it's like it, we're this is basically showing like the reasons why I feel like humanity does need to be saved, you know, because of, you know, giants like these. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of what we were talking about was that, you know, a lot of the subjects we kind of get into on an episode to episode basis can be kind of deep, sometimes kind of dark. So we wanted to look for something, you know, maybe on a brighter side, you know, happier side, um, positive, you know, a very positive side and kind of show you the things like Ron said that you won't necessarily see day to day um but it's the stuff that we would wish to see more of and by tales of giants too it's not actual like giants giants like the nephilims or like bigfoot or anything like that these are just like people whose deeds it's like that saying uh walking amongst giants you know oh yeah um so i guess if you want for example we can get into our first story and uh 
to kind of set the tone of, of what we're talking about with, with that. Yeah, kind of like Ron mentioned, the theme is definitely going to go along with the episode, you know, the the segment title with Giants. So my first one kind of involves a perfect example of that, like Ron said, and also involves something that's kind of special to me, being from being born and raised in the South. So Ron's lived here a majority of his life, so I'm sure he knows as well, but uh, the Waffle House down here is kind of a special thing. Um, if you've never experienced one, it's definitely a unique experience. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best food, but you're always <laughs> going to have a good time when you go there. I'm sure Ron has a few stories there. But... Maybe not the best experience either. Well, yeah. <laughs> if people start wilding out and... <laughs> You see the Waffle House Wendy yeah. video? Yes, yes. Where she, they were trying to, she got fired, and they were, she, there were talks of them like trying to sign her to WWE. She was going to, I don't know, it was pretty wild. So, yeah, if you've seen that video that Ron just mentioned, that's only quite a, a little bit of a taste of what you'll find at a typical um, Waffle House. You know what I mean? Usually that's late night, so my story probably involves a little bit different time of day, but anyway, I'm going to jump into it. It does involve Waffle House. That's kind of what I want to intro. But, um, my first story includes a, a little kid named Kazen Hunter out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And kind of like what we mentioned with Giants, um, he's just a little boy. And what he did, which I'm about to tell you about, is a giant move, in my opinion. So like I said, um, the Waffle House was a special place for him and his family as well. It's a place that they went fairly often every morning. And as they went there, they had a favorite server that always waited on them. And his name was Devonte Gardner. So, you know, after many trips of going back and forth, Kazen and Devontae really, you know, had like a little friendship. You know, they were looking forward to seeing each other when they went there. They'd tell stories. They'd tell each other how their day was going and all that stuff. And over the many visits, Kazen kind of found out that Devontae was, you know, kind of struggling in life. He had three daughters that they and a wife, and they were currently living in a kind of a sketchy place because they had to move out of their last place. So um, he was telling, you know, the family about how there was mold and it just wasn't a really safe place to live. And uh, this really kind of struck Kazen at heart. You know, he's a little, a little kid and nobody told him to do this. And this is what I thought was really exciting about stories like this, as you see how much just goodness and innocence there are in children before they have a chance to really be corrupted. Like some people would say. So, after going in so many times and hearing this story, he decided that he wanted to help him out. So he went to his mom and decided, hey, I want to start a GoFundMe for Devontae to help him out. Um, I think their first idea was that they would raise just enough money so that Devontae could get a car to drive back and forth to work, you know, take his wife where she needed to be, the kids and stuff like that. But anyway, after setting up the GoFundMe on his own, I grant you, this is an eight-year-old kid. Um, yeah. When I was eight years old, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I wasn't, you know, I don't think I was out doing this, which is what was really cool. So after setting up the GoFundMe and, you know, getting things to go through, they ended up raising way more money than what they thought they would. They actually raised over $100,000 for Devontae. So, I mean, life-changing life money. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're looking just to get this guy a car and maybe help him fix up his place a little bit. <clears throat> and they end up raising over a hundred thousand dollars from him on GoFundMe. And uh, I just thought this was like the coolest story ever. So, you know, of course, Avante decides to get a new place for him and his family. He's going to get a new car. And this really sets up, you know, his children to hopefully be able to go to school and, you know, eventually go to college. And it shows how just like a little bit of kindness from just an eight year old boy, um, a little kid who can really make a giant difference. Kind of like we mentioned in the title, he, it was a tale of a giant. He's a little eight-year-old boy, if you see his picture. But 
what his efforts were were giant and changed Devontae's life and his family's life forever. Yeah, and then the 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 kids, you know, when when they grow up, you know, now they have better opportunities, and they're gonna tell tales of this young, boy, yeah. you know, as if he was this giant. Exactly. In their I mean, lives. he will. I mean, he is, yeah. you know, at this point. And, um, so that that's really cool, you know, and 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 uh, what I like about that is that's really how you change the world, you know, helping one another, and that's that's that shows right there because now, uh, you know, his family and his kids have an opportunity to, you know, build better lives. Yeah. You know, even if it's just like, like him, you know, this, you know, there's so many people out there that, that do kind of do the stuff that you don't really see. Oh yeah. I think and, for me too, it, it brings like hope that he does this and it'll, you know, inspire other people to pay it forward. And, you know, I'm sure Devonte will, will pay it forward. His children will see how the great that was and they'll grow up, you know, seeing that that's how the world should be. People mm -hmm. should help other people out when they have a chance. And I just thought that would be a good story to start with. It kind of goes along with the title. Um, so yeah, that was a good one. What I think Ron's got a next one for us now. Anything else yeah. you want to touch on that one, Ron? Uh, yeah. Um, that's just a really cool, you know, for, for an eight year old, you know, to have that kind of a mindset, you know, he should be a politician. Right. I, I'd vote for him over Biden. Oh, exactly. I mean, he's getting stuff done. And, it's, and it shows a good example too, because I think sometimes that, people put like a negative connotation maybe on like GoFundMe. It's like, oh, people are just asking for money sometimes. But I've seen many amazing opportunities where, hey, you might only have a couple of dollars to give, but if hundreds and hundreds of people decide to give a couple of dollars, man, you really can make a difference in somebody's life. You know what I mean? Whereas you might not singly can, at least you can contribute to that. You know what I mean? Instead of wasting your your <clears throat> money on, on Phil. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, you think, about, yeah, instead of, yeah, which is what we spend most of our money on yeah. as, as an American. You really don't think about just those few dollars, like, hey, I can just contribute to this. You know, I mean, obviously, they raised over $100,000 for him. So it's not like that came from one or two people. Many people had to seen the story and decided, hey, I want to help. So, And I, I've been gypped by people out there before, though. Like, I've seen, like, the it was the gas station, gas pump trick. They pull up to the gas pump. Oh, and I'm out of gas and blah blah blah. Five dollars. Oh, here you go, man. I'm feeling like I'm helping. I need to get home to my family. He gets the over like he's gonna pump gas, and then gets in his car and drives off. Oh, yeah. I'm like man. Yeah, that's what. That's why it's so tough to. Like, I want to be charitable, but it's also, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like it, you would be charitable, but people. There's it sucks because there's some people out there that will take advantage. They're of taking that. advantage, but there was one time too. I, there was this guy. He was asking for a few dollars. I'm like. Pfft. Just gonna get drugs and alcohol. I gave I gave him a few dollars. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All right, man. I was at a fast food line, right, pulling up at, in the fast food line. And uh, when I got up, got my order and everything, was driving off. I saw him up at the uh, walk up window. I'm like, oh shit! Yeah, right. Now I feel like an asshole, <laughs> right? I mean, you still like, gave him the money, but yeah, I know what you mean. You'd already you'd already judged him maybe before you had a chance. Yeah, I was really, like, oh damn, I gave him a few more dollars. Yeah, if you, I mean that's my thing. It sounds terrible. Like I don't. Everybody's struggling, right? But I don't know if giving money to somebody and I know it's going to drug or alcohol is one thing. Like if I know legit that they're hungry and starving, man, like that's the worst feeling in the world. Like I do not mind giving you money for that. You know what I mean? Cause I, I just pray I never have to be in that situation. I've never had to be in, that would just be terrible. Yeah. So gratitude, man. Gratitude, yeah. It shows, gratitude. I mean this, you know, this guy was just working as a server, you know, at Waffle House, just trying to do the best he can to provide for his family and just being a good person. He got blessed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that that sets the tone, you know. That's a that's a giant among people, you know. And because uh, really, uh, with power, 
people uh, who are weak thirst for power and control and dominance over people. And uh, people who are strong um, usually empower and, and inspire and uplift people like this. You know, they have plenty of strength to share. Oh, yeah. You know? Going into that, uh, the person I'm going to talk about cool. is uh, with what we're talking about with uh, um, dominance and power, uh, toxic masculinity. <laughs> you know, what would you think of as like the cartel? Yeah, oh, yeah. ISIS and you, you, you know, motors, you know, motorcycle gang, uh, Vikings and stuff like that. You know, that's toxic masculinity because it's powered by force. It's dominant. It's dominant. Ruthless, bloodthirsty. There is no choice. Yeah, there <laughs> is no choice. They just kill you. Kill to survive. Like it's like it's really that's really brutal. Like mentalities there that people don't realize. Like you know, you hear about these cartel torture videos and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, this is brutal. They do that to scare people. Like hey, don't fuck with us. You know what I mean? And uh, it's really gruesome stuff that they do. Like and and it makes you realize this is like evil. You know, this is. Uh, this this thirst for power and money is really evil, evil incarnate, you know. And um, so, in in these dark um, places, heroes rise up from the ashes. And uh, this one is uh, somebody by the, who's called Eric Morales, and um, his nickname is El Marino Loco. <laughs> which, Straight out of a comic book. Yeah, which I think means. Uh, the crazy marine, and um, his other nickname is Little Thor. And there's a little story about that, but uh, he was, uh, you know, his had family troubled by the cartel and neighbors, and him himself humil humiliated by them. So when he was, I think, 12 years old, he dedicated his entire life to giving the cartel a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> so. Um, he said, uh, basically, um, they're, these guys, right, with the way they live, they're not afraid of death. Mm -hmm. They've almost kind of accept, accepted that's the way of their life. And they're not afraid of going to prison because it's like, it's like whatever, they just go to prison, they kind of can still do shit in there. Uh, what they do fear is being humiliated, to not, to be looked at, to be made of as a bitch. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, uh, torture and, and stuff like that this is the language that they speak so and this is what i talk about with the warrior in a garden you can't be a peace-loving hippie pacifist oh yeah that that shit's cool but it's for for society to prosper you need people who are willing to go there who are willing <laughs> to dig and in, get into the trenches with these, an, <laughs> with these animals and fight back it's true and, uh, you know, all this singing kumbaya and holding hands, I ain't going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so, El, El Marino Loco, and he's only 5'7", but you'll see he's a he's got giant balls, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, the fuck with the cartel, man. That's where the giant part comes in. Because it's really bad now. Like, a lot, some of the cartel uh, gangs out there are, like, ex-special forces that are trained by American special forces. There's a cartel down there where they're uh, they were trained by the Delta Force, which is like the best of the best in our military. It's like how are you supposed to compete with that? Yeah, so <laughs> these guys aren't just out there in like the and we saw how hard it is for us in the Middle East with the people wearing pajamas and AKs, you know, mm -hmm. 
and flip-flops these people are like really like trained soldiers you know the cartel really has people who know how to fight like in they're trained in warfare um so um eric his little thor his nickname the reason why he got that is because he uses a meat cleaver to beat people with mm -hmm. and that was like he would carry it with him on every raid and um the story behind that is because uh he went and uh, there was a, a murder and uh, the mother was crying and everything like that there and he saw uh, a meat cleaver next to her son's picture mm -hmm. and uh he goes ma'am can i take this she's like but why or something like that he's like because when I find those bastards, I'm going to beat them with it. <laughs> straight up like a Rambo movie. <laughs> like straight out of a movie. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, take out those son of a bitches. Yeah. So he would, uh, you know, reports of him like, you know, hitting people and straight in the mouth with it and stuff like that. But uh, meat tenderizer, right? You, you know, like you ever beat up a chicken patty? Oh, yeah. you like, Oh, yeah. You know, like, it, how, how would you actually, you know, you get hit in the bicep, in the thigh. And I, and, and I was thinking about this, too. What he would probably do is he'd probably beat the shit out of her, their butt cheeks. Uh, like right? the tender like part? A like a chicken patty, right? Yeah. And so every time they sit down and they go to rest, mm -hmm. they're going to think about him. That's smart. What he did to him, Because that's, that's, that's how he's taking it to him. you know. He's doing, he's, this is the dark side being used for good, you know. Because he's, he's. This is really what they're afraid of. Uh, so much so, they actually put a $10 million bounty on his head. Because he would do stuff like uh, one cartel boss, he, he uh, took his father's ashes, because his father was a cartel boss as well, and uh, did some, you know, stole his ashes, basically, his father's ashes, and then drew devil horns on his father's picture. And I was like, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, like, that's like brutal, right? And... Um, and another thing he would do is he would uh, make them wear dresses. And, uh, you know, after he would, you know, they'd be all beat up and stuff like that. And then he'd put them in uh, dresses and make them, like, kiss each other and say that they're, like, gay. Just, like, like, just that. to humiliate them. Yeah, and that's, to them, that's worse than death. Mm -hmm. You know, even though at the time it's like, well, they could have chose that. Some of them actually chose death, but. You know, once you get smacked, you know, <laughs> he's in there with a meat cleaver, like, you better put on this dress or you're going to get it, buddy. I'm putting on a dress. <laughs> Give a shit about that. But and, I, mean, I know what you mean. Like, that's their, that's the way it gets to them. But uh, that was one of his trademarks. And um, so you're thinking, wow, who, this guy's working with the cartel and all this kind of stuff. Um, well, what we know about the cartel is that they're in with the politicians. And it's corrupt governments and stuff like that. So um, they supposedly the cartel they started putting out uh, propaganda saying that he stole their drugs, stole their money, and stole their guns and stuff like that. Which okay, yeah, that's that's against the law and that's not how we're supposed to do it in a judicial system. But I don't actually feel bad for it. Yeah, <laughs> hey, he stole from the bad spoil, guys. What is it? Spoils war. Yeah. Yeah, this was a war, man. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but uh, so um, he got uh, kicked out of the military. He got kicked out of the navy over at the Mexican Navy. So uh, people don't know where he is now. Um, there's different theories and stuff like that. 
Um, but some people, uh, most people think he's still out there doing it on his own, like a rogue element, you know, like this guy is the, is the Mexican, uh, big boss from the Metal Gear Solid series. Oh yeah. You know, like this guy is like the good, you know, not, I guess it's different, but he's like, it's crazy. You know, he's like a real life superhero, like the Mexican Punisher or something like that. That's what I'm thinking. As you're telling me the story, I'm imagining like, he's like a Batman. He's like a vigilante. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He's he's beating up the bad guys, but he doesn't play by the rules when he does it. You he know what I mean? Because yeah. <laughs> he knows that's what you got to do. You got to get down and dirty with him if you really want to yeah. hit him where it hurts. And uh, so, but I guess uh, back uh, a few years ago or something like that, some uh, cartel were found tied up uh, wearing uh, women's panties. Mm. So it's almost like, is this like a copycat or is Elvino <laughs> Loco still out there doing all work? Oh, yeah. I like to imagine he's still out there. He did every once in a while. He just finds one of them. He's like, you, you will pay. He's but <laughs> he's got a pair of panties in his truck, just waiting, <laughs> just waiting to find one. I like that thing, man, because the cartel caused so much trouble. I, I like really, how you pointed really out terrible stuff to people, man. Oh yeah, like you pointed out that he he realized like just certain things aren't going to be enough. Like like even killing them, kind of like you said that <clears throat> that's just kind of the easy way for them. He wanted to make sure that. Hey, I'm gonna humiliate these people and make them really pay for it. Really hurt, hit them where it hurts. Mm-hmm. You know that is cool. I also like his name. Like I can't get over his name out. Yeah. Like when Ron first mentioned to me the the guy's name, I googled it, and the first picture was like a person in a dress, and then I was intrigued right from there. I'm like, what the, what the hell's going on here? So it was cool to like hear firsthand exactly what was going on with the dress and stuff. Yeah, and, and um, there's actually pictures of him out there. Not you don't none of his face, but it's uh, him, and it's like a. Uh, the scarf, the uh, um, uh, what is it? The uh, skull, skull band, bandana thing, mm-hmm. about Blancos or whatever they were. And um, he would also do like Instagram lives, or, you know, it's like he would do like live live streams of him like raiding a house, like riding to the house. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna fuck him up. <laughs> that's like funny. That, like, I mean, that's like what maybe I don't know the cartel. I'm sure they were being ISIS and stuff. They were doing you know, like when they were. Mm-hmm. doing crazy you know unspeakable things to people they were live streaming it and putting it out there on social media it's crazy to think that that's become part of it now because some people i don't know like seeing it on instagram to me it almost wouldn't register as real i feel like i would just be watching a fake video you know what i mean I, out of all the videos and video games i've played like watching it like that i feel like i just wouldn't feel like it was real i don't know that's a cool story i was kind of glad to uh, find out about him and i mean that name was intriguing right off the bat and, and, you know, this is the guy that a lot of people think, like, they're saving the world, you know, which they are doing these keyboard battles on oh, the internet. Yeah. But this guy is really doing – he's out there saving the world, you know. He's, like, a, a real-life superhero. But um, another uh, – you know, this is a little bit different than what the kid did. You know, the kid did a kind gesture. This is kind of like – I guess for the first episode, I wanted to do more of a – start off doing some you know kind of badass shit that people don't really know about Mm -hmm. you know because they're kind of like maybe lesser known they're not you know of course the mainstream media and stuff they're not going to tell you about these kind of guys they make (laughs) make you feel like yeah humanity is worth saving they want you to be depressed they want you to think the world is turning to shit nobody's doing anything people are out there doing shit man yeah i think that's where we're kind of like deciding to do this type of segment or episode is it's just Get it out there and positive things, you know what I mean? Get positive stories out there. 
like we're mentioning that. So and they won't be always like superhero type guys like this. It'll just be like maybe people who, you know, discover cures or who know, you know, we don't want to get too many spoilers, but yeah, you know, um, you're really going in any direction. I like that. With any the, direction. Yeah. Any direction. I think with the title of the episode, I think that a giant can really be anything. So. Just highlighting great humans, <clears throat> giant humans. Um, but yeah, this, uh, next story is, uh, uh, a Russian superhero. <laughs> uh, and uh, his, he's actually uh, half Armenian as well. And his name is Sharvash Karapetian. I'm glad you wrote that down. <laughs> You've been <laughs> looking at it. not a name I could remember. <laughs> um, but I saw I saw this guy in a video one time, and I just remember, his story always stuck with me because I just couldn't believe like like it, it, for me uh, what always got me in uh, what I'm into is like people going. Uh, mind over matter mm -hmm. you know being like going beyond like human limits like what what's possible and stuff like that and uh this is definitely one of those kind of stories um so just a, a little backstory of him he was uh always a an athlete very athletic guy he was a swimmer but he didn't really cut it in swimming you know and uh, so he started doing something else called uh fin swimming which is swimming with fins. It's like, I think it's like an ancient kind of like, you know, like a mermaid it has to do with like mermaids or like being like the fish. Yeah. <laughs> was he so, I wonder if it was like one fin or two, or I guess either way, I guess. Oh, both. Both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was, uh, he, he had 11 world records and he was a 12 time champion, world champion. And he also had uh, 13 European records. So he was very, um, very uh, uh well, let me say successful oh, yeah. in in this and um but see even though it's swimming a lot of uh the success like the it, behind it is physical is strength training being being strong enough to propel yourself uh more forcefully so it's even like you ever seen those like sled guys like in the winter sports mm -hmm. they just go down uh, they lay on a sled oh yeah those guys are like super athletic as well because they're, oh, yeah. they're able to generate a ton of power to get them going up super fast. Like the like bobsled people and stuff like that too. Yeah, they got like really thick legs and stuff like that, shoulders. Uh, but um, so what he was uh, to also go uh, what he was doing one time to go into, before I go into this, he, he uh, one time he was in a bus and the the bus driver was working on the bus or something like that and the bus went you know uh loose uh -huh. started going down this hill this man you know ran up to the front of the bus and was able to turn it away from the cliff <laughs> like strong man style yeah i'll just stop the bus and uh so he did that right and but uh when he was younger but okay so he was on he was training for uh another event and he was uh at the end of a 13 mile run with a 45 pound rucksack on his back. Jesus. Which 13, running a mile is hard enough. Yeah, running 13 miles is hard. Running 13 miles with a rucksack is hardcore. <laughs> yeah, 13 miles, that's half a marathon. That's crazy. Yeah. And um, so they were up by this uh, like dam and he saw a, he was with his brother and he saw um, a bus. Uh, go go off of uh into the 
off of the uh, through the railings and out into the water, and it sunk down uh, ten meters, uh, which is uh, around thirty something feet, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, you know, I do the I'm scuba certified, and um, every thirty three feet uh, is a different layer of atmosphere. It's Earth's atmosphere times two. So below swimming down to like 30 feet is literally like swimming into another atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Where, uh, you know, it's all that you have at that depth, you have to worry about bends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, he saw this bus go down and it had 90 people on it. And without a moment, like after doing a 13 mile run with a 40 pound, five pound rucksack, started undressing, throwing up, taking off all the shit and jumped into the water to save these people. And it was uh, like fall, I think, you know, like, mm -hmm. and the water was around uh, uh, 13 degrees Celsius or 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which is really cold. And yeah. I'll also say with that, um, I did the with the scuba diving um, with the pool work because I would jump into these pools around this temperature and uh, with the wetsuit, right? But the thing about the wetsuit is uh, the, the water gets inside of the suit and then the body heat uh, heats up that water and that's how you get warm um so it's basically like wearing a coat mm -hmm. like a coat underwater or something like that <laughs> water got, coat. <laughs> that's pretty funny um but uh you feel that water right and uh you know i've been in 40 degree waters and stuff like that it's brisk i don't even need like i don't need coffee or nothing like that as soon as you go in it it's like I'm awake. <laughs> All right, I'll take your, it'll almost take your breath away. Yeah. And uh, so being used to jumping into this cold water, right? Uh, one time I, uh, you know, because I hadn't done it in a while and, and somebody needed, and it was around that temperature, right? About 50, mid 50s. I said, fuck, it, I'm going to jump in <laughs> in my bathing suit because I've done it before when I was younger. And I jumped in my bathing suit, went and just swim, pull my breath, go down there and do it. And uh, as soon as I hit the water, I forgot how to swim. <laughs> all the breath got like taken from me, dude. A lifelong like, like lifeguard and pool person. Yeah. <laughs> forgot how to swim. And I, I basically just like, you know, because it was only like, uh, I think like five feet, six feet or something like that, I was able to just hobble and bounce over to like the ladder and pull myself up and get out, out so I could breathe. <laughs> And so, like, what this guy did is, is pretty incredible, um, jumping into this water like that and uh, swimming down 30-something feet. Yeah, I could – when we used to have to work at the aquatic center, I, I, I used to struggle to get to the 9 feet without, like, my ears hurting and popping. The I could pressure. imagine going up 30-something feet. Yeah, and so um, uh, when he got down there, right, uh, he couldn't get into the, into the bus because of course there's the pressure and everything like that and uh not able to get into the bus because of the pressure so what this hardcore aquaman does basically is is kicks in the back <laughs> the back window of the bus and and starts pulling people out right he was able to get 40 people up within he went down about around like you know 50 something, 40 times or so, right? Like 50 something times. And uh, did this for 20 minutes, swimming swimming down 30 feet, grabbing somebody out of this bus, swimming them back up, where his brother was on a boat, pulling people up on the boat and taking them to the shore. 
when the rescue team got there, they thought like, how many people are doing this? And they, <laughs> they thought it was a bunch of people doing this. It was just him. <laughs> That's crazy. And um, so we got around 40 people up. Um, uh, only, you know, around 20 something people survived. Uh, but maybe he saved more because uh, they said uh, a lot of the survivors would just walk off, you know. Yeah. They wouldn't course. stay around and get counted or whatever. But um, after around 20 minutes, the rescue team told him to stop because uh, he's, they're like, that, that, at that depth, at this temperature, everybody's dead. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, like after a certain time. But he was probably just going to keep going. He just got, and, and honestly, and there was even uh, one time he went down there and, and it, because it's all murky and stuff now, he pulled out a, a cushion and thought it was a person. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's just, you know, going on pure willpower. And he brings up this cushion and he actually had nightmares years later about that. Because he was like, that could have been one more person I saved. That's how fucking badass this dude is. He's not man. thinking about all the people he saved. He's like, I could have gotten another one. <laughs> like, yeah, like I could have got one more. Uh, epic, dude. Fucking epic. And um, so uh, what happened is this water was really dirty. And uh, after he had rescued people, he fell into a coma for uh, two and a half weeks. Mm. And um, he got septus and pneumonia. And he had temperatures uh, up to about 40 degrees Celsius or 104 degrees uh, Fahrenheit uh, fevers. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, was almost, you know, he pushed his body like to the limits. He almost know? died himself. Uh, yeah. And um, because of that, he damaged his lungs and rescuing all those people ended his athletic career. Jeez. It was over. That's for like something out of a movie. He like sacrifices. He's like, I don't care about my athletic career. I'm, I'm going to be a hero. He just saw it, saw it happen. He's like, I'm going to do this shit after yeah. a 13 mile run with a 45 pound rucksack. That is crazy. Fucking epic. But uh, there's more to it. So he never got um, really praised about this until about six years later when someone wrote the story and interviewed him and stuff about it. And, uh, 10 years after this incident, he was walking by some building with his family or something like that that got caught, set on fire, and he ran into this burning building <laughs> and saved people, re receiving severe burns over his whole body, uh, saving, you know, 10 years after what he had done, he's, at, he's doing it now in, in a burning building. Uh, so, um, you know, he also uh, had a famous, uh, he was one of the torch carers at the Olympics, mm -hmm. and it was a famous event because his uh, torch went out. Oh, okay. And he got, like, one of the people there to light it up with their lighter. Yeah. And uh, so um, the, he, there was, like, a quote. He's like, the, the Russians trusted our Armenian <laughs> to carry the torch for him, and I fucked it he up. He fucked it up. Yeah, I mean, a joke. So he's a super humble guy. Uh, so basically what he – the last reports of him is that he uh, – he has a family business. Mm -hmm. He just, you know, was doing his thing, being humble, you know, work, being a working class man. That's totally out of a movie. Like he's like the ultimate badass, but nobody ever knows he's works at like his family's little shop. You know, yeah. <laughs> who's that guy? You don't know about that guy. You don't know his stories. Like, uh, so that even shows like him. I would vote for that man for president. <laughs> 
because I know I know he will fight for the yeah, people. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> he gonna, will give it all for the people. He's gonna be way more of a badass than I would. I mean, that's crazy to think that but even just jumping in once to save people, but like the fact that he kept going back and forth, back and forth, trying to save as many people as possible and they literally had to tell him to stop. Yeah, and uh um he was covered in uh cuts and and everything like that, bleeding real bad because uh the glass mm-hmm. you know, shattering the glass and all that kind of stuff. That is crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is why that makes you really think that some people are just born differently. Like I don't know, you can learn to be a badass, but some people are just born to be that fucking awesome. Like yeah, I mean, it's hard to like him and like to hard to imagine like you're just that guy. You know what I mean? Like I guess part of it too is just opportunity, right? Like I mean, you have to. Well, it's, sadly, the these guys are heroes because they're dealing with shitty situations. Yeah. yeah. Like, me or you necessarily wouldn't just walk past a burning building. I, mean, I guess that could happen, right? But, I don't know, like, he just happened to be there as well, you know, but it's also that not every, even if people were there, he was one of the few people that could do something about it, and he did something about it, which is crazy. Uh, Brian Stan, the UFC fighter, uh-huh. you know, he was a Silver Star winning Marine. And he he says winning that silver star, even though it's cool silver star and everything like that, he's like it reminds him of the time shit went bad and people died. So it's like yeah. it, it doesn't really mean that much to him, you know. Like in that way, like it's kind of uh, it means a lot to him, but it's kind of like a yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a negative experience he's having to go through. Like yeah, he's he's making it more positive by trying to help, but it's, he's having to help because it's a very negative thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned earlier, like that guy, he's probably, the people like that are probably always thinking, man, I could have helped more. You know what I mean? They're never thinking that, hey, I did what I could. They're just thinking, what else could I have done? What else could I have done? Yeah, just what? how much more badass could I have been? <laughs> right. <laughs> if only I would have died for a 50th time, maybe I could have saved somebody else. But that is wild. Yeah, it's, and, and uh, that's really superhuman stuff. Man. Like going beyond your like physical limits, you know? Oh yeah. So um yeah, that's uh that's what I got about uh that those are our uh, giants for the first episode. Yeah, I think that was a great um a great first episode in all transparency for our listeners. My second story was about a guy uh saving somebody out of a river, but after Ron just told that fucking story, nobody wants to hear my story. So uh that's why we're that's why that is that is a that is a really cool story, but I think all three of them kind of encapsulate what we keep saying is, you know, when we came up with the idea of giants doesn't necessarily mean big guys. Like it just means you're big in spirit, big in your willingness to make the world a better place. And I think that's kind of what the theme we're sticking to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, next time we, me and Ron didn't tell each other our stories really to keep it as a surprise. Next time maybe we'll get a little more. So I don't have one. It's kind of the same. It's not quite as crazy, but um. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we want to do. Um, but anything else you want to add, Ron? Yeah, it's just uh, also I was going to say, I guess this, this is the first episode we've put out in a while. Um, because we've just been, you know, busy and we're just kind of, this is our hobby, you know, so we kind of do what we can. There's been some guests we've been trying to get on, but I, you know, I've been real, I guess, you know, shitty about making it happen. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we're all, I mean, like Ron said, I think this is, I mean, this is really, really fun for us, but we both also work all the time as well. So it's tough to 
kind of schedule me, him, and a third person. But but it's pretty cool. You know, I definitely appreciate everybody listening to the show, man. It, it's it blows my mind every time I I go on there and I see people have listened to epi- the episodes. Of it, you know, I'm always like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way, especially in case you couldn't tell. This is one that me and Ron are actually we're in the same room. We're recording right next to each other. So. Sometimes when we record like this, I feel like it's just me and him and the guests talking. I don't ever think about the fact that there's other people out there listening to it. So we definitely really appreciate it. Damn, I forgot to say we're in the Hydro Water Studio. Yeah, no, right. I think people can probably kind of tell. I don't know. I'm sure the recording sounds a little different. And for, for me personally, I think it works great because I can kind of tell when Ron's about to talk. So we won't we don't like talk over as much. But um, yeah, hopefully we can do this some more. And we're definitely looking forward to bringing you more tales of giants in the future on the Imaginarium of Thought.